Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions. Search for the answers yourself to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. Thank you for joining us once again, or for your first time on Just Think, the podcast. This is Holly. And Amy. And Kristen. And we're here today to talk with a guest that we have been wanting to get on for, gosh, a a little while now, and coordinating his crazy busy schedule with ours as, um, you know, it's always a little bit of a challenge, but we're so thankful that he made time for us today. Because if you listen to our last episode, we talked about critical race theory. And we gave you a perspective from just your average American person. She wasn't a professor. She, she wasn't an expert in the, in, the, um, in the subject whatsoever, but she decided to teach herself, to learn, to research the history of critical theory and to find out what it meant when it was being implemented in our school systems and corporations and essentially into our culture. And we talked about on that episode, and we point you to it if you want to hear the history of critical race theory and critical theory, definitely check it out. But we all admitted that it's an uncomfortable subject because we are talking about this from the perspective of, well, in that case, four white women. And we wanted to have people of color into the conversation to talk about it from their perspective. Now, let's be real. You can go anywhere on social media, you can turn on your TV. And, and watch the mainstream news, and you're going to hear one side of the story. And the way that it sounded in the last few years has been something like this. White people are the oppressors. People of color are the oppressed. White people should feel guilty for being oppressors. They should minimize themselves so that the, that the oppressed can be elevated. Mm-hmm. Now, we all would agree that racism is wrong. We all would agree that we want everybody to have, to be able to take advantage of as much opportunity in this country as possible, that they could all experience upward mobility to the degree that they're willing to work and strive for it. And we recognize not everybody starts in the same place, but some of the remedies to the problem have scared us. They've made us concerned. And there's been another topic that we know that our guest today is going to be able to talk about, and that is when the Supreme Court of the United States overturned Roe versus Wade, deeming it an unconstitutional law. And there were many scholars who were pro-choice who even agreed it was unconstitutional and it should be in the hands of the state to make the laws for themselves. And when that topic came up, we learned something frightening, that nothing was killing black people in America like abortion. It opened our eyes to a lot of the ills that we're experiencing right now in our country. And we are so thankful that today's guest is someone that you may have seen because his videos have gone viral. 
We're lucky that he lives right here in Raleigh, North Carolina with me, where he is a pastor. He is a minister. He's a father. He's a speaker. And he is certainly a leader. He emanates leadership when you hear him talk. Um, he's been a youth and college pastor for 15 years. He's a graduate from my alma mater, NC State. <laughs> Go up back where he played college football during his time there and heard me screaming from the sidelines, we're sure. <laughs> but he also went on to pursue his education further at Liberty University in Christian ministry. And John's passion is really written into his newest book called Erased. We're going to encourage you all to go to Amazon as soon as this is over and go order it. Or John, if you want to plug your own website and you want them to go there, we can do that too. But Erased is really talking about the issues that I just mentioned. It's uncovering the lies of critical race theory and abortion. So John, thank you so much for being with us. Will you please just begin by telling people how you got here? What made you say and know I have to write my perspective and what I've learned about these subjects. Well, thank you so much for having me on your distinguished show. Um, I'll give you a rundown of my name first. I'd like to start there. My first name is John, middle name is Kanayo Chukwu, and my last name is Aman Chukwu. So thank God for the John part, right? Right. <laughs> and, and so uh, Kanayo Chukwu means I will keep trusting and pleading in the Lord. Ooh. And Amanchukwu means I know God. And I'm proud to say that I know Christ as my personal Savior, and I gave my life to Christ. Uh, I like to say this early and often, um, but I really came to my senses and really embraced my faith um, in college at the age of 19. Uh, during the summer of 2020, we can all go back and reflect upon what happened. I mean, anarchy broke out in the land. You had Antifa, you had the BLM group. They were out there. Uh, it was just chaotic, burning down cities, marching. And you had uh, Democratic governors and mayors who told the police to stand back, you know, as everyone marched and said and shouted, defund the police. And so the, um, the anarchists really had a free-for-all. You know, I, I believe that people have a right to... Uh, to, to a peaceful protest, but you don't have a right to go burn down a CVS pharmacy store in the name of being upset over the death of anyone, right? And so we, we saw a lot of that. But while being at one of the busiest abortion clinics in the southeast, the name of this clinic is a woman's choice clinic of Raleigh. I encountered uh, a black father wearing a, BL, a BLM shirt, and he approached me and he said, why are you out here fighting a white man's issue? Woo! Now, when he said that, you know, he, he, he came a little bit too close <laughs> and he was uh, a little bit too close for comfort, you know, but I'm a leader. And so I had to turn the other cheek that day all right? <laughs> on that day. I had to turn the other cheek. But um, he was upset and angry because he saw a black man standing outside and 70% uh, of the people outside of the abortion clinic trying to save the babies were white. But nearly 80 to 85% of the moms in the abortion clinic on that Saturday were black, including his girlfriend as she was preparing to exterminate and kill his heritage, his posterity, right? 
And so he's going to question me and ask me why I'm out here fighting a white man's issue. And clearly I saw from that that um, although he may not know what the definition of critical race theory is, he was a walking poster child for all things critical race theory because in critical race theory they see racism in all things and at all times, including when a six foot four, 260 60 pound black man is trying to save babies of all <laughs> colors, creeds, and races down at an abortion clinic. Mm-hmm. And uh, from that, the Lord gave me a vision on how to really combat, yes, the issue of abortion, but also critical race theory, right? And so from that, I uh, developed a plan on writing a book and really just creating some messaging around the situation so that I could expose the lies behind critical race theory and abortion. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter so today we are calling evil good we're saying that the abortion industry and their efforts that it's good in this culture that we kill an innocent child in the name of reproductive justice or in the name of being pro-choice we're calling it good to view whites as one group not as individuals but see all whites as one group that's critical race theory they paint with a broad brush all whites are inherently racist and therefore they should be demonized uh, they should be labeled as oppressors we should overthrow them and there's a little bit of um vengeance vengeance within critical race theory as well because one of the leading voices on critical race theory ibram kendi who wrote the book how to be an anti-racist which is really a book on how to be yeah. a racist <laughs> He said that the best way to deal with past racism is present racism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we don't find that anywhere in the scriptures. We don't find that in the Bible. You know, we're, we're not supposed to be overcome with evil, but we are supposed to overcome evil with good. All right. But today we're not, we're calling evil good. So to be vindictive and to seek for vengeance, is a good thing in today's culture, even though God said that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Now, I would like to say that critical race theory is a response to something, but it's a failed response. Mm. It's a non-biblical, man-centered, color-driven response. And it's a response that should be refuted it's a response that we should expose pastors who like to use the tentacles of critical race theory even in preaching and even in governing their local assemblies we should reject that we should reject it in our public school system even though some say it's not taught in the public school system they're not teaching critical race theory they're teaching culturally (laughs) responsive teaching right you know it's like putting lipstick on a pig at the end of the day You can dress the pig up any way that you want to. At the end of the day, it's still a pig.
pig. You can call it culturally responsive teaching, but if you're creating this clash between the oppressor and the, uh, and the oppressed, and you're creating this critical theory response of the bourgeoisie versus the proletariat, right? If you're doing that with the culture today, then you are creating and spurring on even more racial tensions. I'm oftentimes asked to give a working definition of critical race theory. It's simple. Critical race theory is racism. Mm, there you yeah. go. That's a simple definition. Now, if you research critical race theory, if you study it, if you go to YouTube and you read different articles, you will find out that it's a floating mass. It's hard to pinpoint it on what it really is. I liken it to manna in the Bible. Manna was considered as the whatness. Like, what is it? You know, what was God sending down from heaven? You know, we really can't explain what it is. And so critical race theory is the whatness. What is it? You know, it's kind of hard to pinpoint what it is. But uh, realistically, it is racism. Mm -hmm. And it's a form of reverse racism. Mm -hmm. And I also would like to add to that that the intent, that the end game is political propaganda. It's to keep blacks marginalized and disenfranchised, to keep us in a proverbial state where we view ourselves as victims based upon our skin tone. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that I'm no one's victim. Hmm. And I get, I, get, I get filled with righteous indignation when people think that I'm a victim. I'm no one's victim. You can't label me as a victim or in a victim class. I am who Christ has said that I am. I'm a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a peculiar people. I'm, uh, my, my color is not going to keep me from realizing the American dream. My color doesn't keep me from living in a wonderful neighborhood in Wake Forest. My mm. color did not keep me from going to NC State, the best university. <laughs> All right. If you're if you're a Carolina fan and Duke fan and Wake Forest fan and all these other fans, you know, <laughs> you, you might not make it to heaven. You need to work harder than sister. You need to work. <laughs> John, my boys, honestly, when they were little, I had to correct that because a couple of times my my young boys were like, oh, they like the Tar Heels. Oh, are they going to go to hell? I promise. <laughs> and there was like an association with the devil and the Tar Heels were the same. I know. First, first yeah, the good blue devils. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, we have them so confused about that. We had to correct and say, there's some very nice people who went to Carolina, including Kristen. But, uh, and, but and I used to be proud of it. Now, not so much. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> But you know it's it's all good. We have fun with that. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> we, my 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 wife went to um, uh, UNC for grad school. You yeah. know, and, and and she and she's perfect. You know. She's yes, right. so, there you go. You know, it's, I'm I'm gonna be easy on the UNC. Fans. <laughs> well, well, John, you know, as so when we listened when we listened to you say this. That, you know, everything in our spirits just says, yes, it just, it testifies to the truth of what you're saying, which is that this movement is having the opposite effect. It is instead of eradicating the remnants of racism, and, and that's not to say that there's not racism because there, there is, there has been certainly to even greater degrees. Uh, I would say previous to my lifetime, I've 
I felt like I, I grew up going to Athens Drive High School. It was a very diverse high school. And while I encountered uh, racism against me and, and, and probably saw racism against uh, other black people, I mean, I can't recall those moments, but I'm assuming that they happened. Um, the truth is, is that I thought things were so much better. <laughs> you know, we were taught black history all through school. We were taught about the oppression of black people in this country. We were taught about slavery. We're talking about Jim Crow. We taught, you know, Martin Luther King was our hero. Right, yeah. You know? And and I remember my little boy sitting in front of the TV when he was maybe five years old. And, you know, we were raising our children to not, to not know anything but a human soul, right? That, that's the goal. And my little boy looks at me, he's watching the, the, uh, a documentary on Martin Luther King Jr. And he looks at me and he goes, mom, and his little, his, his little heart was broken. He goes, mom, what did they do? Like he, he just never had any idea. And we had this conversation, but it struck me that he had no context of racism. He had no context of it because he'd not experienced it. And I think about that day to now, He's a, he's a college graduate of NC State also. One, his, one of his very best friends, um, was, was first friends at the university, was uh, a Black guy named Garrett Sony. Love you, Garrett. And Garrett's like, you know, part of our family. And, and Garrett's been a guy that I've gone to to say, Garrett, help me understand. What's your experience today? And it was kind of shocking, John, that, you know, he grew up in Greenville, North Carolina. And I know when the when the George Floyd situation happened, I said, Garrett, educate me, Teach, like, help me, help me understand. What do I do? How do, what do I, I don't know what to do. And I said, tell me about your experience with racism. And it shocked me, John, that he said, I, I haven't really experienced racism. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, like microaggressions, like if I got on the elevator with you and you didn't know me, you might clutch your purse, but black women do it to me too. <laughs> it's not like it's just you that might do it. It would be he's but here's the difference, John. Maybe I don't know, but he was raised by probably someone with the qualifications that you and your wife have, which is educated college graduates, uh, like high degrees. Like I think his dad has a Ph.D. So he was raised culturally different than, say, if he'd been on the southeast side of Raleigh with a single parent home. Right and 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 live in on government assistance. That's two culturally different uh, existences, right? And so, the reason why I bring all this up to you is to say that in trying to navigate the last two years, something has felt very wrong in the approach, the critical race theory approach, which then turns my son in the in his friendship with Garrett would turn my son into Garrett's oppressor. That somehow to me sent a message that Garrett wasn't capable or wasn't as capable as Anderson, that that's my son, that there, somehow we needed to fix the scales and bring Anderson down so that Garrett could come up. And I thought, where in the history of the world have we ever denigrated somebody to elevate somebody else? And that actually worked. Mm -hmm. And so I guess my question to you is, how, how did you come to this conclusion in a world where everyone's telling me to be quiet and afraid to say or think anything differently, and in a world that calls you an Uncle Tom or denigrates you for also speaking the truth, like we're both in the same scenario. We're two different colors, but we're experiencing a very similar thing. If I say something, I'm racist, but if you say something, you're an Uncle Tom. 
How did you come to the conclusion to find your courage to speak out? I'm sure you're going to say it was the Lord, but tell us about that. What did that look like? Well, I, I appreciate that question. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one, of the, one of the kids that came from the rough side of the track. Uh, my mother took care of four children, making no more than $28,000 a year. When we came to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina from Elizabeth City, North Carolina, we lived in a shelter for nearly a year. We were on government assistance and uh, public housing, all of those good things, H Habitat for Humanity, bought us a home, mm. all of that good stuff. And so, but we were, we were always trained to love people, period, regardless mm. of their skin tone and or color. Now there were things that we had to be aware of because, you know, um, when I say that critical race theory is a response to something, let me unpack that a little bit. There was a time in this country, and we you referenced it earlier, the Jim Crow era, where blacks were not allowed to go to schools and there was um, a resistance towards integration. There were black students who found themselves whipped, beaten, dogs were turned on them. The, um, the National Guard in Arkansas, in reference to the story of the Arkansas Nine, which is in chapter two of my book, Nothing New Under, Under the Sun, it references where the governor at that time sent the National Guard in and told blacks they could not go to school. All right. And when the students got to school, they, they were met with the National Guard and people hung uh, black um, scarecrow looking objects in the trees, simulating that they would be hung. OK, they received several death threats as a result of just trying to go to school. Right. Who did that is the question. Well, historically, we know that it was the <laughs> the white liberal that did that. We, we must be honest as we assess that. Mm -hmm. And so, the, uh, you know, rat poison is 99% good ingredients, mm -hmm. but it's 1% poison. Yep. And it's that 1% that will kill you dead. There is a modicum of truth at times to the initial concept of critical race theory in that we need to assess the class warfares that stem from past oppression. However, the end goal of this does not lead us towards the gospel. It leads us towards more division. Mm -hmm. right. which is why I say that it's a failed lens and or tool when it comes to bringing, up, bringing about racial reconciliation. Yes. The Bible is the quintessential framework of biblical justice. We are told to love our neighbors as ourselves, period, right? Mm -hmm. If we do that, we won't need critical race theory, critical theory, intersectionality, hegemonic power. We won't need to try to tear, tear down the patriarchy or anything like that. But we have to get back to the gospel. Now, once we see where all of this stems from, mm. I think that a prudent position for whites to take as we assess this problem is that we listen first. Mm -hmm and then respond next what am i hearing am i hearing someone who has a genuine concern towards a uh, micro or macro aggression that they've experienced mm 
Or am I hearing someone who's drunk the woke Kool-Aid and they really just want to push racism at all times? What am I hearing as I discuss this problem? I'll be the first to tell you that as a black Christian conservative, I met with racism from the left and from the right. Yeah. Yep. See, the black Christian conservative has to deal with being labeled as a Uncle Tom by the left. And I have to prove myself on the right to make sure people think that I'm valid so that they can feel comfortable with me and not think that I'm a plant. Mm. And here's the reality. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. I don't have to prove a thing. You know, Amen. so I'm not trying to win the win a trophy from the left or the right. I just want right. to be faithful to God. That's it. Right. That's and you know, I'm against white supremacy and black supremacy, but yeah. I'm for God's supremacy. Amen. All right. And so when you look at critical race theory, we, we have to discern what we're hearing. Mm. Okay. But the at the end of the day, critical race theory is incapable of dealing with man's Adamic nature. Mm. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3 and 23, which means that the sin nature of racism is something that comes from our fallen state. That's it. Okay. And so racism will not be eliminated and or eradicated until Jesus returns. Now, I do think that we should preach against true racism more. Yep. Because racism is a is a sin, not a skin t- not a skin tone or a color, right? Critical race theory wants to label racism as white. Racism does not equal white. Racism yes. equals sin. That's right. That's what it is. Okay, uh, whites can be racist. Blacks can be racist. Asians can be racist. Pacific Islanders can be racist. Hispanics can be racist. We heard that from the city council in California. Yep. When she was talking about, you know, therefore the blacks, you know, so there's always a a, a, a racial tension going around. Right. I just left San Diego last weekend and I was picked up by a gentleman who's from Nicaragua and he was talking about Cubans and how Cubans are so racist. Yes. You know, <laughs> and so and, and no offense to any Cubans out there. This is what yeah. this guy said. I didn't say it. Right. Don't right. don't don't shoot the message. No, no, no. I'm just saying what he said. That's and right. so. We must address these issues because I believe that the sin of, of true racism can send a person to hell. Mm-hmm. I believe that there are three areas where Satan is trying to divide us and destroy us. Number one, he's trying to divide us in the area of race. Mm-hmm. Number two, he's trying to divide us in the area of gender. Yep. Yep. Number three, he's trying to divide us in the area of abortion. So let's make whites hate blacks. Let's make uh, uh, blacks hate whites. Let's cause each other to uh, resist and have a animus towards the wonderful tapestry of color that God gave us and cause us to hate the Imago Dei, which which is the image of God. Mm-hmm. We are made in the image of God. So let's create an animus between blacks and whites, Hispanics and whatever. Let's cause each other to hate each other. Then in the area of gender, all right, let's, let's create a compulsion and a desire in a boy to be a girl. Mm-hmm. Let's create a desire in a girl to be a boy. And let's stoke this flame in the public school system through teaching gender fluidity. Mm. And gender theory and queer theory and bringing transgenders to schools to read to children in the name of drag queen story time. Yeah. 
And let's call this a family-friendly event. There's nothing family and friendly about laughing and clapping as a big, uh, large man twirls around in fishnet stockings and high heel shoes and lipstick, and we call that family-friendly. That's crazy. That's asinine. Yeah. A parent is a fool, and I mean this. Don't cut this from the show. A parent is a fool. <laughs> you are a capital F fool. Capital, uh, <laughs> capital O-O-L, fool, to allow your child, a child to be entertained by a man who's struggling with a demon called a two-spirit individual. Mm -hmm. Those who represent the transgender community, they represent the two-spirit community. There's one spirit in them, which is the spirit that God gave them to be a man. That's the normative, normal spirit. Then there's another spirit that's warring in them, and that's the woman. That's the satanic spirit that the devil has sent to torment the mind of that individual. And so there's a wrestling match. There's a tug of war going on. The individual feel as, feels as if they're Peter in the morning and they're, and they're, Paul, they're Paulette by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. And we're supposed to, quote, unquote, create diversity, equity, and inclusion offices in our public schools to make people who feel like this comfortable. Yep. Here's the problem. You can't make a person feel comfortable when they're going against God's design and order. Yep. See, that's called placating. Yep. There's a word for that. You're placating that individual. And instead of placating our children, we should teach children what's right and just for a man and what's right and just for a woman. And then the third area is abortion. It's simple. Let's kill as many babies as possible because Satan's trigger is the image of God. From the beginning of time, he sought to destroy children, all right? Through uh, Pharaoh, he tried to kill all, all of the Hebrew boys with the intent of killing Moses, all right? Through uh, Herod, there was an intent to kill Jesus, all right? Through the evil god Molech, okay, a false idol where parents would take their children and send them down a trench, set their child on fire to a brass statue so that they can garner favor from, from some statue that they propped up as a god that they fashioned with their own hands. And today, since 1973, 64 million babies have been killed in the womb. We are destroying the image of God. Okay, but there's an easy place where, where this is happening and so many people are being duped and it's in the area of race. You know, when I see someone that's white, I don't see the, I don't see a white devil. I don't see someone who's responsible for the past atrocities that happened to blacks. I don't see a slave master or someone who's a part of the KKK. I see an opportunity for me to get the, to know the image of God. Yes. To get to know another brother, sister, or yes. in Christ. I, if they're lost, I see an evangelistic opportunity for me mm -hmm. to win them to Christ and to disciple them. I don't look at, I don't, I don't see that. But however, um, this whole notion of racism, it needs to be addressed where there is true racism. Yes. Right? We need Absolutely. pastors to talk about this. Don't go woke on me, preacher. In, any of the pastors that are going to watch this, you owe it to your congregation not to be woke. You know, during the summer of 2020, we saw where where uh, major Fortune 500 companies were writing checks as a means of covering up the real issue and problem.
And so we saw the NFL do this. We saw the NBA do this. When you turn on the on the on, on the television to watch watch the NBA game, you saw all these woke terms on the jerseys and yeah. on the court. When yeah. you watch football, you saw the same thing over and over again. After a while, man, people didn't want to watch the game. They were tired Ratings of went down because at the end of the day, I want to see someone get their head knocked off, right? I want to <laughs> see someone get tackled. <laughs> I want to see someone score a touchdown. I want to see NC State beat Carolina or Duke. Yes. That's, that's all I want to see. I don't want to see anything about Black Lives Matter or anything like that, even though I agree with that statement. Yes, that black we lives. We matter. all agree. I we all that. agree. Yes, but I'm with you. All lives matter means that you're racist. <laughs> yeah, true. You know what I mean, and that's 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 what that's what some say. You know what I mean. But in order for all lives to matter, black lives have to matter as well. You know, yeah. and so that's that's I that's that's, that's, that's where agree. we are. Yeah, I yes. think they just turned that around to that. It, it was the whole the organization. It's yes. not not the it's not the belief and, and the knowledge, right. the knowing that black lives matter, every life matters, every living, breathing human being, everything that's created that. Right. But we, literally, the, I mean, the, there was that student. I don't know if you saw that that went that went viral. And he what was he like 15, 16 at school? And he said that when he wrote or oh, said yeah. all lives matter, the teacher shut him down. Like or he was he, like, ex- wasn't he like, didn't he get like detention or something? Or yeah, something? he was he left. He left. He, he did. Left. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. And he did ended up not graduating from there. He said, uh, that's gonna, right. right. Yeah. Right. He left the school. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's demonic. I mean, as you can't, you, I mean, for him to say that at the end of the day, he has a, a freedom of speech, number one. Right. Um, and, and so there, there, there it is. And so, yeah, in order for, um, all lives to matter, black lives have to matter as well. But yeah. the intent of the left was not to find ways to deal with the racial tensions in our country. This was a money grab. This was a $90 million money grab off of the death of George Floyd. Yeah. That's what it was. All right. Which started with the death of, I believe, of Michael Brown. I believe BLM Mm -hmm. started around 2016 or 2017. I think so. Patrice Cullors, when you look her up, she said that she's a trained Marxist. That's critical theory. Yes, that's critical theory. Following the the, the playbook of Karl Marx, they're trained Marxists. Okay. They are against the nuclear family. Yes. Okay. Yep. They're they're against the uh, you know the man and the woman because at the end of the day, men can't get pregnant. We we are starting to confuse a man with a beer gut with a man's ability to be able to get pregnant. Men Word. do not get pregnant. Hear me out there, guys. Period. Period. You period. You don't you have pay. a period. You can't get pregnant. You don't get a period. You don't have a period. Period. They also don't have to have period. a period. I mean, my gosh, like I, I, the thing that I'm just growing resentful about is the fact that what we go through to become mothers in the first place, and you go kind of show up, act like you can, you've gone through I mean, it. You for real. <laughs> Listen, I was in the delivery room all three times when my wife gave uh, life to uh, uh, and delivered my um, my three children, two boys and a girl. And every time I walked out in amazement. Yes. You know, every time to, every I said to myself, she, she is Wonder Woman. Truly. I don't want any part of that. <laughs> you can have it. Baby, you got this. Got let me this, let me help you. I'll cheer you on. Cheer you on. I'll get you a coca. I'll give you a, get you a Coca-Cola. I'll, I'll, I'll rub your feet. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just don't put it. me in that bed on that bed i don't want it and i think i think that men should stand up and speak up yes and yes. protect 
the wonderful miracle of motherhood. That's right. And woman, women, womanhood. Men should stand up in defense of that. We yep. shouldn't sacrifice our sports to whack jobs and nuts so that they can jump in the swimming pool and swim against our daughters. Listen, that right. that that will never happen to my daughter. Mm, if I'm right. at a game and a guy walks on that court, either he's leaving the court or my daughter's leaving. Yeah. What are the and more than likely, we're going to run him off that court. Uh, well, because did y'all see the volleyball, that volleyball oh, player yeah. the, that got a head injury, a concussion? No. Yes, it I heard about training. that. What'd you say? He heard about yes, it. Yes, I heard, heard about, about that. It. That was in Cherokee County, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. That was here. What happened? A trans volleyball player at a girl's game spiked the ball so hard, it hit the other girl in the face, and she had, like, she got knocked concussion. Out. Nope. Knocked out. Nope. Everything. nope. Nope. But, John, where are the men? John, where are the men? Is it because our society, the culture has broken, has, if you think about it, and this is going to be controversial, but I don't care. We talk about controversial things all the time. I know. It. I'm, I'm going to take a drink of water because I'm getting yeah, ready to say something. Take a breath. I'll say <laughs> it because I'll say it offline, but I'm going to say it on. Um, I'm thankful as a woman. I have the right to vote. I have the right to get a job. I have the right to do the things that I, that I want and need to do for myself, for my family. I'm very thankful. I don't feel like that I am oppressed in any way, though I know in my history, women did not have the same rights as men in this country. I'm thankful I have those rights. But I think along the way, in, in, the, in the ascension of female rights, we did denigrate men. And that's, I think we denigrated men and it has weakened the male persona in our culture. And, and that's why I say denigrating white people to elevate black people won't work. It, 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 it will be destructive to our whole society by doing it that way. But do you see that? Because I, I know that we even know that the level of testosterone in men is on the decline. We, and I'm sure that that is straight from the pit of hell too, but it's come from <laughs> probably some environmental things as well, but also just the way that we're making men, I'm gonna say it, cause I'm not attracted to weak men, okay? But we're making them softer. We're like yeah. making them soft mm -hmm. and like, I'm like, God, I want y'all to be strong. I want you to be tough. I want you to defend me. I want you to protect me. Yeah. Come on. Like, like I want to be independent. We want to take care of ourselves and we yes. want to be able to defend ourselves, but we also want our man to be able to take care of us too. Yes. And, and we can, but we want them to be our the strong, the strong person by our side, not the one that we can run over and we have to tell how to think and what to say. You know, like we're, and we are married to three strong men. Thank God. But my point is, John, What's happened culturally to these men? Because it is women who seem to be really fighting right now. Yep. Well, you know what? I'm, let me do a Marco Rubio first. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Before I, sorry. I, you did not expect me to ask that question, but I would love to hear your thoughts on it. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm teasing by saying that. But um, <laughs> the feminist chew the men, chewed the men up and spit them out. Agreed. That's what happened. Agreed. Agreed. We had we we brought on this notion of toxic mas masculinity. Yes. What, what, really, what is that? You know, what is toxic no, masculinity? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and I think it's probably a man with too much testosterone. That's probably uh, toxic masculinity, or a man who knows what he wants to do and he speaks it. Yes. Or a man who wants to take the role of headship in the family. Yeah. 
or a man that's more geared towards the biblical t um, tenets and the principles of how the house or the home should run. Mm. Maybe that's what toxic mas masculinity is. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But I believe that many men have abdicated their responsibility and their role in what they should do. And as a result of that, women have now have to have had to take the leadership role. Yeah. Okay. In in many in many areas. Now, I'll be I'll be the first to tell you that w men are under attack. Yeah, for sure. And that there is a weakening and a stripping of masculinity from our men and from our boys. Mm. And I believe that the culture is doing that as a means of weakening weakening our power system mm. okay you have god's order god's order is god yep the husband the wife and children mm. now there may be some people who listen to this podcast and hear that and they may vomit <laughs> they may say Yuck, that sounds old fogey that sounds traditional but god's order is god the husband the wife and the children Okay, the husband should lead the family with this acknowledgement, knowing that he should be willing to even die for his bride, for his for his mm -hmm. wife, for his family. Men are providers. Men are protectors. Mm -hmm. Men provide for the social and emotional well-being and the financial financial well-being of their families. Mm -hmm. uh, the man should be the guy, you know, that if they hear something downstairs at night, a little noise, you know. He shouldn't slide his foot over and kick his wife and say, "Hey, you know, he, hey, I, baby, did you hear something? <laughs> Do you mind going downstairs to check and, and, and you know and, and get me a uh, get, get me a muffin while you're at it? You know, you know that <laughs> that that shouldn't that shouldn't be the intent of a man. The, the truth of the matter is, you know that that man should get get up from that bed. Yes." Grab that AR-15. You know, Joe Biden called them AR-14s, but they're really AR-15s. Well, he, he should grab that AR-15 or Glock 40 or 380 or Smith & Wesson and go downstairs with his 2A self and see what's going on. That's what should happen. You yes. know, but we, we, we see a weakening and a brokenness in our men today. They're gun shy. They don't want to speak. They don't want to say what needs to be said. And therefore, our families are suffering. Yes. Okay. And that's a point I want to point out too, John. Exactly what you said. We've pushed them into silence. We've, we've sort of just over time kind of just shoved them into silence and, and trying to, quote, put them in their place. And if we as conservatives, as people of faith are silenced, yes. the culture will only get worse. If you don't speak up listeners right now, your children won't have the same country you inherited. You're going to right. leave them with a worse country than you were given. And that is not okay by me. I yeah. hope it's not okay by you. This is not the time to be quiet. This is the time to speak up and say enough. Because if we don't, exactly what John just pointed out, We've just weakened because we we got quiet. Yes. We now have to speak up so that the world knows and this culture knows there are more of us that still have logic, sense, good sense, discernment, godly wisdom than those who were lost in some type of demonic delusion. Right. And if You're we would all stand up and say it, 
I am telling you right now, so much of this will begin to will begin to work backwards because it only works when people comply. Hey, John, I wanted to ask you something too. In your book, you talked about um, equity being a far cry from equality or the difference between equality and equity. And this is big to me because I have two boys in the public school system and I see the emails coming through mm. and I see the word equity all over a lot yeah. of things. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like we all feel like, you know, they have the social emotional learning and the equity. And it's like, they make you feel like if you, if you push back on that, you're just a, you're a bad person. You just don't care about people. You're not compassionate. You don't have empathy for people. That's kind of the, the way that it, when you push back against the equity word. Um, so I really, I know we talked about this in our last podcast too, but I really would love to hear your thoughts on how to educate people on what is the difference between equity and equality? Cause they're completely different. Yeah. And so with, with equity, equity, which is the main issue, um, it creates a system where we're picking winners and losers. Okay. It's not based upon a person's ability to perform. It's not based upon an individual's ability to go to school and to learn and to do what's necessary to be a gainfully employed citizen of the greatest country on the face of the planet, America. Mm -hmm. um, but it's all based upon, you know, let's create this communist socialist environment where if you sleep all day, you still get the same outcome as a person who's working 16 hours a day. Mm -hmm. oh, you know? Let me tell you, let me tell you this story about, um, we have a, a guy from Venezuela here in mm -hmm. town that runs a jujitsu um, business, you know, where, I, where my kids go. He told us a story. He came from co a communist country. He said he went to his, what was it? His daughter's yeah. like oh, award yeah. ceremony. Do you remember this? Went to an award ceremony. He said every single person got an award. He pulled his daughter from the school. Yeah. Pulled her from the school. Then no. Because he came, he said, I know where this leads and I don't want my kid involved in this at all. And he yanked her from the school because at the award ceremony, everybody got a trophy. <laughs> and he came from communism. So he knows. And I think that's important right. for everybody to hear. There's a slippery slope. And it's like, you've got to have like what we've even talked about with Michael Caine, I think. Where's your line? Where's the line that, you know, that you're, hold the line, you know, like our line was the masking and, you know, but then there's other things like as a parent to stand up where, what's going to make you stop? What are you going to do? And you have to be prepared. You can't sit back. That's right. Yes. Yes. I, I, I agree. I agree with that. And so um, there are many things that, that we have to key in on. Um, we need our men, our men to stand up. I'm leading a national tour in 2023 where i'll be traveling around the country speaking about these issues about critical race theory about uh, abortion about the need for men to rise up and to speak up and to protect our families yeah. uh, by being vocal not being yeah. silent but being right. vocal lift your voice man please and speak to uh, to what's going on and protect your family and so there'll be, uh, I'll also be talking about school choice issues and the, the need yes. for school choice to allow yes. the tax dollars to follow the yes. child and Can not the happen? school system. <laughs> you yes. know, so I'll, I'll, I'll be doing that. And I have over 30 different invitations to come to school boards to speak you know, hey, around the country. Can you tell us how we can uh, put in a request? <laughs> oh yeah? Listen, we, we, we can talk about some things. Okay. Oh, there's a fan over Wilmington, John. They need to be 
it's not as bad as Woke County here. Wake County is where John and I live. It's not as bad yet, but it's it's going real fast. And um, and and John, we should mention that. I don't know if we did at the beginning of the segment, but uh, John has this amazing video. We're gonna we're gonna we, we played it in our social media. We will continue playing it. It's certainly around the release of this. You have to hear because he John and John. I'd love for you to touch on this for a second. You went through the statistics on the scores of Wake County public school students yes. over the last few years as the rise of diversity, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI goes up as the as the increase of critical race theory goes up, and certainly over a pandemic where they shut schools down, mass kids, and 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 truly mentally abuse them, in my opinion, in so many ways. The scores are horrific. Yet yes. they should only be focused on DEI. Would you share a little bit about what you've learned about your own county? Yes, thank you for that. Yes, I went down to the Wake County School Board meeting and I, um, I lifted my voice. I think that more pastors need to yeah. leave the pulpit and go down to the local school board meetings and to the abortion clinic. We need yeah. preachers. Yeah. We need pastors. We need well-gifted and talented and our articulate voices, commanding voices, pastors to go down and to lead your congregations to school board meetings. All right. And to abortion clinics. Now, there are 160,000 students in the Wake County public school system. It's the largest school district in North Carolina. OK, uh, this past year, they spent one million dollars on a diversity, equity and inclusion office. While they spent one million dollars. Seventy eight percent of third through eighth grade black students are not proficient in math. Seventy eight per seventy eight percent. Yes. And sixty six percent of third through eighth grade students are not proficient in reading. All right. Wow. So so let's here's the thing. <laughs> Can little Johnny read? No. Can little Johnny spell? No, no. <laughs> can little Johnny count? No, no, no. But little Johnny knows about critical race theory and gender fluidity. <laughs> That's crazy. And how little, is that going to help succeed in life? I mean, I just, uh, we want to be inclusive of everybody. Yes. But yes. that goes back to God, love and right. acceptance, not omitting sure. a whole race or anybody or any certain people. It, it is, it is good and evil. And it is just, it just blows my mind that even some of the, some of the most, I guess, evangelical, but most of the people that say that they are so godly and Christian, you know, Christian and stuff that they're the ones that are being so hateful. And I'm not lumping everybody in that space. It's just, I always grew up thinking God loves and accepts everybody the way they look, the way they are, the way he created us. And that's how we should see everybody through God's eyes. So I just don't understand how all of this is happening. And especially with people in the church, especially with pastors and well, preachers. Especially when kids can't read and or kids, do math. And, and when they're focusing right. on this with the schools. What happened to just, we kids, these are skills you need to have in the world. You need to be able to read and you need to be able to add some numbers and subtract some numbers. If they really care about right. these lives and then being successful. They need yeah. to know they, this. Right. Yeah. It's a major problem. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a travesty. You know, it's it's a blot on the American education system that we're spending so much time on indoctrination yeah. and, and and we're not putting enough effort towards effective mm. educational tools 
and what's tested, tried, and true. Mm. Okay? And so the left seeks to push their agenda through the American public school system in the same way that Hitler pushed his agenda, mm-hmm. all right, in Germany. Okay, yeah. you have to reshape and refashion the education system in order to push your agenda across, in order to create a populace that's willing to submit and cower to socialism and communism. You have to social engineer that through education. Yes, that's what's taking place. Okay, and parents were able to find out what what was going on during uh, the shutdown as they listened to what the teacher was talking about. That's it. You know, you know, why do they keep talking about racial this and how in the world is yeah. math racist? You know, right. and um, th- they were talking about demonizing whiteness and the victimhood of blackness, all the stuff. And parents are thinking like, you know, what what does that have to do with one plus one? But this has been two. going on for a long time. Apparently. Yes. It, it, it 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 has and so there there is a plan there is a plan around that you know in the early 2000s there was a two to three year wait list in the wake county public school system for teachers you know it was hard to to get in but mm. today we are 400 teachers short yes and wow. i know i know a few that have left for these reasons because they can't yes. align any longer with what's happening and this is the other thing too if your child is not a part of a public school system and you're listening to us and you think, well, glad I don't have to deal with that. Wrong. Because these public school systems are raising your child's peers mm. and they're influencing your child's peers. Your yes. child is going to grow into an adult that has to live around these people who are indoctrinated, yes. who are not at reading level, who cannot do math. Then what's the country going to do when we don't have strong, educated, intelligent people to lead it? And instead, right. we're left with indoctrinated losers. Sorry. Mm. But I mean, that's what it feels like, right? Like, how are you going to lead? How are you going to lead if you're not equipped to lead? And what we've right. done is we just homogenized everybody. I mean, yes. in the age of critical race theory, where it's like, let's make sure everybody is identifying separately. The truth is, it's all working to homogenize everybody into blind followers who all give all their power, worship, and their autonomy to the rich elites of the world. That's what it feels like is what's happening. Yes, yes, that's that's what's going on. You know, um, I reference in chapter two of my book, Nothing New Under the Sun, um, where a survey of 173 colleges and universities found that 42% of colleges and universities offered segregated residences, 46% offer segregated orientation programs, and 72% host segregated graduation ceremonies. An entire generation is being taught through word and example that the most important thing about another person is their race and who they desire to sleep with. This this thing is messed up. We are not uh, moving away from the Jim Crow era. We're going back to it. We're going back to and that's not in the direction that we need to go now. When I say that, I do want to say it's not at the same level. You know, I, I haven't heard of a white student being beaten or yeah. told by the sheriff that they couldn't go to school. Right? right. You know what I mean? So it's not to the same magnitude. Right. But who knows? You know, if we do not learn from history, we will, we will repeat it. That's right. And I think we're, we're getting back to the days where the climate right is comfortable for these things to be fostered if we do not stop it and check it where it's at 
And yep. so I'm saying to I'm saying to dads and pastors out there, I keep putting this plea out out. Please leave the golf course, cancel your hunting trip. For, hey, listen, don't go home and sit on the couch and and scroll through the TV. Please take at least one day out of a calendar year and go to a school board meeting yeah. and give them the what for for the yeah. ungodly principles that they are pushing upon our children we need testosterone to rise up you know we have the mama bears right mom yeah. is going to be there mom does the homework she studies with the kids yeah. all of that good stuff mom mom knows how to do it i see my wife do it and i say lord i have a good wife you know i, I, I need to i need to stop by the atm on the way home and just start throwing it. I need to make it rain as she as she as she as she, as she does it, man. Cause she she's a good one. She does it, and I'm sitting there looking like. Uh, and you don't want to do like giving birth. You don't want to do that either. <laughs> I know it, right? Just like giving birth, you don't want to do that either. You don't want to do no. the whole part. You don't want to do all that stuff. <laughs> I, I don't want any parts of it. God didn't give me that, and I don't want it, right? Yeah, I want, you I want are everything. Thank you for that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, and and so because of that, because of the sacredness of that and what women do, men should rise up and say, you know what, we can't allow the left to rob our women of this. We mm -hmm. owe it to women to protect them and to speak up on their behalf. Right. We do. Absolutely. And so in 2023, I'm launching a national tour. I'm calling on people to support that effort. You know, it's going to take resources and finances. You can go to johnamanchukwu.com. Now, hopefully you all can put my name in the show yes. notes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll do that. We'll link Perfect. everything, John. To, and, and then actually, we have a Substack, listeners. If you've not already subscribed to Substack every week after the episode, right. we give you every single link that we reference or that you need to know for context around a conversation. We give it to you. So, John, we're going to have your book, your, your website, Perfect. everything for people to easily access. Perfect. Thank you so much. And so people can go to johnamanchuka.com and find out more about me. And uh, you can make a tax deductible donation. I'm asking for monthly partners. Some can do 50 a month. Some can do 75. Some can do 100 so that I can have the resources to travel and to speak at these school board meetings and to get the work done. You know, because really what I'm trying to do is launch a movement. Erased is more than a book. It's it's bigger. It's bigger than a book. All right. Erased is a movement that loves all life race and color and sees all mankind born and unborn as one blood and equally valuable. Yes. That's what I want to push around this nation. It's the anti BLM movement, right? Yes. It's in the opposite direction is what BLM should have been doing. Yes. Okay? And it's John, it will take, obviously, as you said, more than you, but yes. that's the beauty of this. It will be a diverse group that emerges gotcha. to, to do this with you because color doesn't matter. Race doesn't matter. None of that matters. What matters yes. is that we're united in our purpose and that is standing for the truth and what yes. is good for us, our, our culture and our country. And I know that Kristen has a question that she wants to ask you because we have an election coming up next week. Well, so, yeah, this uh, is really important because when you say it's going to take more than just one person and, and, and the way we, one thing that we've learned, remember I was the head in the sand, um, is that voting local. Like it, it really is like getting out to vote, to find the people, because one thing that has perpetuated the cycle and one thing that I would love for you to touch on 
are the uh, words that these politicians and school board members like to say to make them sound good or make things sound like, oh, I'm going to do this. Look, there's been a lot of hate flyers and mail about abortion, about the schools, about all of the, oh, so many things. And we just know we're like, it's just, it's horrible. This is why I've always hated politics. This is why I've always had my head in the sand. I'm like, if it doesn't affect me, then I don't need to, you know, I don't need to deal with it. But now I'm embarrassed to say I realize it was affecting me and now it is. But now once you know better, you do better. So any advice you can give anybody who hasn't voted yet, can you tell us? And we'll put it on mute because somebody is blowing. Over yeah, blow her in her <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, well, listen, um, I've seen so many ads and the mailers, you know, they fill up your mailbox and they go, many of them go immediately from the mailbox to the trash can that's yeah. near the mailbox. Right. So, and so there's a lot of money wasted on those things. However, people are, be, are, are labeling the pro-life candidates as extreme. That's it. Because they want to end abortion. Well, if, you know, being pro-life is extreme, you know, then maybe it was extreme, um, trying to save and protect the life of George Floyd. Mm. Maybe, maybe it's extreme. You may, maybe God is extreme, you know, cause when you read the Bible, you find no wiggle room. You find no outs for supporting abortion. Exodus 20 and 13 says thou shall not murder or thou shall not kill. Okay. That's found in the 10 commandments <laughs> we just, let's make this thing simple when you go to proverbs chapter 6 verses 16 through 19 it, refer it references seven things that god hates one of which is the shedding of innocent blood okay and so you can't label a person as extreme because they want to protect life while the left pushes abortion on demand to everyone especially the black community and if you are a black person supporting abortion, you are crazy. You've mm. lost your mind. Um, there is a spiritual death rattle that emanates from the black community. Mm. And if you know anything about hospice and people transitioning, my, my, my mother has worked in hospice for many years and with elderly patients. Um, when, when death rattle sets in, it represents a time frame where the individual will die more than likely in the next 23 hours. Black, the black community are contending with what you call the, the irreversibility of a population. Ooh. We are not reproducing at the normal fertility rates to sustain the black community. We are doing this. We're doing what everybody wants to do January 1, lose weight, get small, right? <laughs> we, the, black, the black community is doing this. We're mm. getting smaller and smaller as the days go by. And that was the intent of Margaret Sanger. Yes. She wanted to exterminate the black population. She, she called us Negroes. In the words of Margaret Sanger, black people are Negroes, okay? In the back office, she probably called us something else, you know, that probably ended with an R. Yeah. You know, Mar Margaret Sanger uh, was a supporter of Hitler. Hitler supported her policies as well. And she said that she would use the uh, charismatic preacher if it ever occurred to any of the more rebellious Negroes that did not go along with abortion. So according to Margaret Sanger, I'm a rebellious Negro because I don't support the killing of the unborn. 
okay, I'll gladly take that title. Okay. And so when we look at this thing of what's going on with abortion, even look at Stacey Abrams. Mm-hmm. Okay. Look at Raphael Warnock. Stacey, Stacey Abrams comes out and says, you know, it's an artificial sound that emanates from the uh, ultrasound machine. You know, mm-hmm. a baby's heart is not really beating at six weeks or seven weeks or eight weeks or anything like that, which is which is which is a lie just because ah. man cannot detect it and or hear it, which which you can, you know, yeah. doesn't mean that uh, it's not there's not a heartbeat there. The reality is that a, a baby's uh, heartbeat uh, beats, you know, nearly 54 million times from conception to birth. Mm. We don't know when that first heartbeat starts, but we yeah. do know if you leave that child alone, it will it, its heart will beat nearly 54 million times. Wow. If wow. you just leave the wonderful miracle alone. Mm. Stacey Abrams is the kind of Negro that Margaret Sanger loved. The kind that would sell her community out. Raphael Warnock is the kind of Negro that mm-hmm. Margaret Sanger loved. The kind that would sell his community out. Jesse Jackson is the kind of Negro that Margaret Sanger loved. The kind that would sell his community out. The NAACP, mm-hmm. an organization that used to stand for the advancement of colored people. Go figure. When Roe v. Wade was overturned, they start doing their monger, their mongering. They were telling people that black women are going to be disenfranchised and black women are going to, uh, they're going to die. They're not going to be safe. Blah, 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 blah. All of these lies, they've moved away from standing for the advancement of color people. And now their true focus is the advancement of queer people. Mm. Because many years ago, when the end of ACP was in the red, They took on the cause of the LGBTQ community and they received money overnight Mm. and they are now financially stable. It was Ben Jealous who did it. And now when you look at the multicolored rainbow flag, okay, the one that includes the transgender colors, you'll also see a brown stripe and a black stripe. Who is that for? That's for the true civil rights and injustices that blacks endured in this country. And so to take the color of my skin tone and attach it to a flag in the name of the queer person has the same struggle as blacks did, that's that's awful. It's despicable. It's despicable. We should talk about it more. I'm getting angry. I have to talk about it. Listen, it it just, it does something to me because we talk about Black Lives Matter and our skin tone and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, we have a black stripe attached to a rainbow flag. A queer person, a gay person, a transgender person, they did not go through the same struggle as a black person in this country. We will not surrender that to the feet of people who practice those behaviors. And by that same logic, John, I'm pretty sure nobody would let Kristen, Amy, or I identify as a black woman. Nobody (laughs) would be okay with that. Nobody. No, and and rightfully so. Rightfully so. That would be wrong. Yes, yes. (laughs) But it's by that same logic. We would not be. It it is. It is. And it doesn't work. It's a a shame. And I don't understand. You know, I'm praying about it. I'm asking God for wisdom and understanding. Yeah. And the capability of being able to open up the eyes of the black community. I hear the deafening sound of the death rattle. Mm. 
That's very ask you, do you feel like you're seeing a shift in the black community? Um, you know, your, your podcast with Charlie Kirk, where you talked about, I just remember you talking about the pimp and prostitute analogy. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, it's so yes. like when we, it's like, you know, we see that where we, we see that very clearly and we're hoping that people are waking up to that, you know, especially the black community to realize that like you're being enslaved by the party who's promising you all these things but keeping their foot on you so that you can't right. rise up. Yeah. And I, right. I'm hoping that you're seeing a shift. Are you? Yes, <laughs> we start yes. with a pimp and prostitute analogy real quick. Yeah. <laughs> say, say that one more time. I said, can you go, can you tell us that pimp and prostitute analogy as well? Yes. Because I so think the, uh, that's in perspective for other people who don't see it. <laughs> sure. Blacks have become the cheap prostitutes of the Democratic Party. They screw us and barely pay us, and we keep coming back for more. Yes. That's the statement. And I try my best to say it every time I get on an interview or a podcast. You know, mm -hmm. some, some people say that's inflammatory. Good. I yeah. want it to be inflammatory. Maybe the inflammation will go down when you, when you change. Mm. And, I, and I, I really think that that's what's going on. We are being pimped. We are being prostituted. Lyndon B. Johnson said that I will have these, and I quote, niggers voting for the, for the Democratic Party for the next 100 years. Yes. He said that after he brought in this new deal of a great society, replacing yep. the black man with a $400 check. Mm. The check came in and <laughs> the black man went out. That's what happened from the early 1900s all the way up to the death of MLK around 1968. The black marriage rate rivaled that of whites. Yes. Even during slavery, we yes. still got married at alarming yes. rates, even when we, were, when we were told not to do so. Right. Yep. Okay. But here's the thing. Uh, during slavery times, we wanted, we wanted Negroes to have as many babies as possible. Right. Mm -hmm. We need manpower. <laughs> okay but over the over the course of time you know we don't want that we want to kill as many as possible because we want to shrink the numbers okay and so when we consider all of these things there is an awakening taking place since 1968 no republican president has received more than 13 percent of the black vote donald trump was on his way to receiving 20 percent of yeah. the black vote vote you know because it was difficult for blacks to say you know what man how can we hate this guy now when you know this is donald this is the donald this is our guy we hung out with him we 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 we, we drunk cognac and whiskey with him you know <laughs> how, how are we going to turn on donald trump the rappers were saying man we like this guy because yeah. you know he's hip he's cool but yeah. when he got in office became a republican some said i don't know about this because there's a label on the republican party as being quote unquote uh, white supremacists. And so right. we need the Republican Party to uh, focus on messaging and branding and yeah. to find a way to strategically overcome that lie by effectively telling the truth of where we are today and where we've come from. Mm -hmm. yes. Right. We need to tell the story over again. We need to let people know that, no, the, 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 the Republican Party is the party of Abraham Lincoln. It's the party of Rose Parks. It's the party of yes. MLK. It's the party yes. of Frederick Douglass. You know, and there are many other uh, black conservatives that many are willing are, are quiet about it because of racialized social constraint. Mm. That's a term that goes along with the with the knowledge of if you choose to go against your part, your your community block, if you vote 
not accordingly to your skin tone, then you will be ostracized, right? Mm. You'll be kicked out from your community. And so many don't want to feel that sentiment. And so therefore they, they bow, they cower to the left mm. and they vote for a party that's trying to kill them and destroy them. Mm. And we need, we need blacks to open their eyes and see what's going on. Yes. Yeah. What has gotten better? That's the thing. What that's the question. Better? Right. Yeah, no, not not much. You, you consider the 50 years of where we supported, you know, the, right. the the left. I mean, what have we gained? You know, Trump said, you know, what do you have to lose to vote for a Republican? People said that was racist. Biden came out and said, hey, uh, you're not black if you don't vote. Oh, for that. Me. Me. And that, that was, was celebrated. And then blacks oh. went and voted for him. You know, and I know for some people, you know, Trump is a person that they don't like, they don't support, you know, because there were times that he could have used more polished and, you know, maybe some things that he, he said he could have, you know, you know, put, you know, kind of, you know, soften it just a little bit, <laughs> whatever, or, you know, maybe not send that tweet, you know, yeah. at night, maybe think about it and sleep think on it. Don't you know, that one. Those little those little things he could have changed, but guess what? We would all love some mean tweets right about now. Exactly. exactly. If I had to choose between the mean tweets and these high gas prices and the, and the inflation and the prices of flights, I mean, that's why I have to raise money because, listen, to travel around the country, it's crazy. I mean, the, ho the hotels won't even put bottles of water, of no, water exactly. in, in the hotel rooms anymore. That's terrible. I mean, I go to the hotel. And I and I'm and I go on there, man. You know, I, I try to get at least 140 ounces a day. <laughs> I find myself going down to the front desk, ma'am. Can I have can I have a bottle of water? They grab me some Nestle water and uh, they give me one bottle. And I'm like, listen, do you not see me? Like, I need ten. I need ten of those, okay? You know. And so we 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 are in trouble. Um, yeah. I, I credit President Trump for the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. yeah. God allowed him you know, to strategically put people on the court who would go along with Clarence Thomas, who to me will go down in history as the greatest justice, one of the greatest justices of oh, all time. Brilliant man. Okay. Brilliant and man. so, um, yeah, we, we, we hear about all those things. And so, yes, I do think that there are more bl blacks who are saying, you know what, man, I, I agree with the policies of the Republican movement. You know, I may not uh, agree with some of the, the, um, the personalities, Okay, sure. but I agree with the policies. And at the end of the day, what matters most? We saw the the personality of Barack Obama, and what did we get? We saw the policies of exactly. <laughs> right. we, we saw the policies of Obama, and what did we get? Right? And, Universal and health care. <laughs> exactly. So, yes, I I appreciate you all for this time to John, come on to talk with you all. A good friend of mine, her name her name is Margaret Moore. Um, she talked about you all and she uh, told me about your, your show and all of that good stuff. Oh. Margaret Moore is a good friend. If you're listening, Margaret, oh I'm giving you Thank publicity you, all around the world. Yeah, right? yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, John, we will be following you. We will be, we will absolutely be promoting what your mission is because we are aligned with it. We just want the truth out there and we want to fight against the decline of American culture as a whole. Yes. Um, and so thank you for enlightening us. Thank you for allowing us to ask you all the questions <laughs> and for just giving us the space to have the conversations that, like I said, have made us uncomfortable, but we want to be a part of the conversation conversations because we want to be a part of the solution too. Yes. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
thank you for that. Hey, if anyone that's listening, you can follow me on yes. YouTube at John Amanchukwu. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at R-E-V-W-U Truth. That's Rev Wu Truth. And you can follow me on Facebook at John K. Amanchukwu Sr. Go to my website, johnamanchukwu.com. You can thumb through the, the site if you want to support the work of what's going on in yes. 2023. If you want to help me rile up some pastors and some dads and get yes. them from being betas to being alpha males and to speak up for their families. Testosterone tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, that, that, that's what we need. We, 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 need more, we need more of that. So you can go there and to support the work, give a monthly donation or a contribution. It's the end of the year. We're approaching the end of the year. Yeah, right? great thing do to you give. Wanna give. Absolutely. Exactly. Do you want to we'll give your money to the, to the woke stores or do you want no. to support an initiative that's going to fight the woke ideologies? Exactly. Love yeah. it. Exactly. Just think. Just think, John. Just think. Just uh, think. Just and get your book. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes, yes. All of this on the Substack too. We'll put all of those links to um, how you follow and every everything everything in there too. That's so. right. So after following this podcast, make sure you go subscribe. Make sure you go subscribe to John. Make sure that you most importantly share this. Share this far and wide so we can get the right information to the right people. John, yes. thank you. You're amazing. Yes. We can't wait to chat again. Thank you yes. so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.